welcome Mahaba Vejoshgeldenes to Talking Around North Cyprus, our podcast where we chat with anyone and everyone about the Turkish Republic of North Cyprus and what the country means to them. So for the 55th time, I'm joined from North Cyprus by my co-host Rod Jabara. So hi there, Rog. How are things where you are? I mean, uh, in our previous episode, you spoke movingly about uh, the effect of the Turkish and Syrian earthquake on the island. I imagine things are still quite raw there. Hi, Sarah. Hi, everybody. Yeah, there's still an atmosphere here of, of, of general sadness, though I suppose it's fair to say that with time, it sort of eases a little bit. And we still, still yesterday, we were getting these incredible scenes from rescuers of pulling somebody out after like 280 hours uh, trapped in the rubble. And uh, obviously they're very few and far between. Obviously nothing's going to bring back the the youngsters um, that perished, uh, that were from here, from Famagusta. So that's going to be a sadness that will continue for a long, long time. The flags are still at half-mast. As I say, sadness perhaps is waning a little bit, but uh, I'm still sure it'll be here for quite a while. Yes, I mean, we're still reporting, as, as people may know um, if they listened last week, but um, I'm currently back in Jersey and working for the BBC in Jersey, uh, where Roger and I used to uh, used to live. And, and, you know, we're still reporting it, but I have to tell you, last week, I think it was, Jersey, Jersey government said, yes, we're going to, you know, we're going to give some money to the uh, disaster emergency relief people. So Jersey gave £150,000. Okay. £150,000. Guernsey have taken all this time. So yesterday, a week and two weeks, maybe two weeks after the earthquake, £60,000. That's all they've given. I mean, I just... I'm sorry, I'm speechless. That's why I haven't commented yet. Um, I mean, um, some people have got that in their back pocket here. And and that's all. and, And Guernsey had to have a debate about the fact that Syria was on their list of, oh, well, you know, we're not quite sure about giving to them. What's the place got to do with it? We're talking about tens of thousands of people that have died. But not only that, I mean, I was just reading this week, Sarah, the problem of all the orphans. You know, there were over 2,000 youngsters that we know have lost their family. What's going to become of that? Who cares if they're from Syria or Turkey or what religion or colour they are? What's that yeah, got to do with it? And the money just, I mean, to be fair, I mean, the, uh, the WHO has asked for like billions of pounds in, yeah. you know, to rebuild the place. <laughs> Richest places in the world. I mean, Jersey and Guernsey between them can just about muster £200,000 between them. I mean, it, I mean, I couldn't say anything because I was reading the news, but... Hopefully nobody heard the scorn in my voice. (laughs) (laughs) Well, at least you've got a platform now, because as everybody knows, this has absolutely, this podcast has nothing to do. (laughs) So you can slag off Jersey and Guernsey to your heart's content and I'll join you. Absolutely (laughs) pathetic. I know. I was, because I was, I was like, so sorry. Is that one million one hundred and fifty thousand? And something like, no, it's just one hundred and fifty thousand. What if all the council of ministers put ten quid in? They, you know, we'd have more than that. Anyway, anyway, so I just wanted to get that off my chest because I just thought it was appalling, um, and that Guernsey can only give sixty 
£60,000 anyway. So I've, oh. I've, got it, I've got it off my chest. Thank you. Well, well done you. Well done you. Yeah, and, uh, I'm, I'm shame a... on them both. Shame yes. on them both. And we're still reporting. You know, there are people from here. I think I mentioned uh, in another episode that there was a Turkish gentleman who lives here. He's gone out there now. Um, his cousin and his aunt sadly died, and but his family are just, they've got nowhere to live. You know, he's trying to help as much as he can. There's nothing official yet, but it wouldn't surprise me if the TRNC somehow, you know, welcomed mm. as many people as they can and house them. We'll, we'll have to wait and see what happens. Yeah, but yes, so that would be interesting to see, because uh, I imagine that some people have family anyway, so... A bit like the displaced Ukrainians, you know, there'll be there'll be families around the world, hopefully, who can take take people in. Anyway, are, any other sort of news over there that we should uh, be getting excited about or not? <laughs> well, there's an increase of two teller on a pack of cigarettes that was announced a couple of days ago. This is interesting. With the income collected, roads will have lighting in one year. Now, I'm not quite sure whether that's been lost in the translation. Either it means that, you know, after a year, there'll be enough money to light a road because very few of the roads are lit at night. They all have, you know, wonderful wonderful, uh, array of lampposts and lamps, but they don't often get switched on. So uh, we'll have to see what happens there. Quite a few, certainly around Iskele Way, quite a few of them are solar. Um, do, do they not work so well at night? Not on the roads. The solar ones are usually on the cycle walks and walking paths. But, you know, we've talked about this so many times. Why the whole island isn't run on solar is is beyond me. But uh, whether they'll ever get round to it, I don't know. Maybe the sun will have burnt itself out in five billion years' time, which is what's expected before they do anything. It's, uh, you know, so much sunshine. The sun's been shining, Sarah, here in the middle of February for a week and a bit now. Absolutely glorious. Why aren't we tapping it? You know, this is February. This is the middle of our winter and we've still got shed loads of sunshine. Come on, government. Shake yourselves out of this, do we? I know the infrastructure costs are enormous, but what your benefit at the end of the day? I've got that off my chest now. (laughs) Yes, that's right. This is a getting off your chest (laughs) podcast, isn't it? like therapy (laughs) anyway anyway let's get to our guest our last podcast we decided to uh, postpone our guest interview because of the aftermath of the earthquake but rog actually this one is still a bit of a sad one isn't it so we've had to say goodbye to someone who absolutely adored the trnc conrad prolius i mean his was quite the story wasn't it when he came over two years ago Oh, yes, Sarah. He arrived to a great fanfare. I mean, none of us had ever met him, but we knew he was coming. And, and loads of us came to meet him at a restaurant called Pisces and Spices in the uh, Boaz near Iskeli. Uh, we all wanted to know about this chap that was giving up everything at home. Namibia was where he was living, though he's originally from South Africa. And he was coming to a place he'd never, ever been before. And he knew, I think, just one person here who he'd been in touch with, now his bestie, Maria. And that night, friendships that have lasted and hopefully will continue to last were were formed. So when I caught up with him just before he left the island a couple of weeks ago, he, he began by telling me where he'd been staying since those days when he first came to the TRNC. It's now been um, two and a half years um, since COVID, um, in which I've started off on Iskele's side, 
and I ended up my last year and a half living in Lapta, which is on the other side of the island, which was quite a big change from what I was used to on the other side. It's much more lively, it's, um, there's a lot to do, much more restaurants, um, facilities, um, and, um, a bigger expat community living on this side. Now, the first podcast that you did, we called it the Namibian one because you'd come here from Namibia. You were just waxing lyrical about this island and the difference in the way of life, the safer way of life. I mean, it's none of our business, but why are you leaving it to go back, in effect, to South Africa? Yes, Roger, you never know where life is going to take you. My plan was to this to be my forever. Um, and unfortunately, situations back home um, has um, brought me to the point that I have to go back, sadly. It's not an easy decision that I've taken, but you know, to live with um, regret is longer than um, my time in South Africa would be and in the future, I will definitely return to the island because I really love the island. And it still offers me the great thing of safety. And even now, going back, we had the conversation today, I said to my one friend that um, I feel anxious and anxiety of going back. And, and, and if you listen to my previous podcast, that was the reason that I moved here. And I think that's why I suddenly feel, you know, I've grown a lot by living here and um, I'm definitely a changed person, but so has things gone worse where I came from. So what I wanted to escape back then, I'm now going back to, and um, would I be ready for it? Because I've been so used to the safety harness over here to go back to that and, and, and it's already giving me anxiety. Can you explain that to people that haven't heard the first podcast? What is that that gives you such anxiety? You know, it's just a simple thing of personal safety, safety of what you own. Um, people won't understand because a lot of people travel to South Africa and they go like, oh, but we've been there and it wasn't that bad, whatever. But the areas that you as a tourist travel in is highly guarded um, with security and CCTV cameras and you have police and civics around you, would you even notice. Um, but you're a target in the suburbs and where you live and um, that makes it different. You have to have burglar bars and you have to have alarm systems and you have to have um, insurance on your car, but you also have to have separate insurance on your wheels and your and your windscreen and everything else because that's what covered under insurance because so regularly when your car is parked on the street and doesn't have safe parking you are a target and they will break the windows or maybe a pen you left on the back seat and everything and living here you, don't, you just don't have that worry so yes it, it is um, a great thing just on that side of things but then also to be able to sleep at night in a house without doors locked and windows locked and everything. I'm going back to where you, everywhere you go, you have a security list of things you have to have 
before you can get insurance for your property you're going to live in. Um, and it's unsafe. And, and I know when I go back home now, I will try and live above four levels off the ground because um, that would be the safest. Because when you came here, you said quite clearly last time, you eventually came off your medication almost instantaneously because of the lifestyle over here. You've had two and a half years where you haven't had to worry about bars on windows. Are you going to be able to cope? Well, I think I've grown and maybe I needed this time away to become stronger and, and, and because of the previous things that happened to me, lose that, that fear um, that I can't protect myself or I'm not well protected. Or um, So let's hope I'm going back a stronger person and I'll, I'll deal with these things differently. But like I said now, that's why I look at things now and I want to pre-prevent similar situations and things happening to me. So choosing where to live and which area to live, um, you know, like staying on the fourth floor, not on the first floor, you know, uh, things like that that you want to put in place so you just have sort of a safety net and you can feel safe when you go home because everybody's home should be the safest place to be. You're going back to be with your mum and dad, you're going to be with your old friends. What are you going to tell them about the TRNC and will they believe you? Well, even when I went back on holiday, my friends don't believe me when I tell them, you know, you can leave your car running in a parking lot with the air conditioning on in summer while you go and do shopping for an hour. Um, you can leave your phone anywhere and you can even go back um, three days later and it will still be there untouched. And I just last night I spoke to a friend that is also a foreign traveler and um, he was on... Um, escape beach and um, he lost his phone and then he's been gone for three weeks now and he came back and he loves escape beach so he went to the beach again and then somebody actually ran up to him and said to him you've dropped this last time and that's like three weeks ago you know where else in the world would that happen so um, I would definitely tell him people that there is still places in the world that you don't have to live in fear um, and where you're safe and people won't understand it until they've been here you know I don't think there's a lot of places in the world like North Cyprus because even South Cyprus is not that safe at all you know people get home burgers and everything and to be in a country which the locals struggle, but you don't see the struggle because there's no beggars on the streets. Um, there is no crime related to, to, to um, struggle, which other countries think that is um, what you do when you struggle. You go and steal and you burgle and you, you take what um, is not yours. Okay, two and a half years. It's always an awkward question to ask because you've got to think quickly, but you must have had some incredible highlights here. I mean, get, give us a couple of things that stand out for you about your time here in the TRNC. Well, I'll give you 
lowlights and highlights um, of my experience here in the last two and a half years. Um, one thing I would like to talk about is, you know, we come to this island as expats and we forget this is not your country. You are and will always be uh, expats on this country. You were never born here. It's not your ground. And we forget that as expats in the way that we treat people um, with disrespect um, because we think we're inferior because we have more money or whatever. But the truth of the matter is that most of the people that live here as expats would not be able to live the quality of life that they've given here in um, wherever they come from. And a lot of them say that. But in saying that, should you not then treat the locals with respect? Because you are borrowing their country. And um, that is one thing that I, I just feel under the expat community, and I don't think they always think about it. Um, support local businesses. Don't just support people because um, they speak English. You know, um, you are in somebody else's country and you would also respect, want respect in your own country if um, foreigners live there. So why can't you dish it up on this side? Then another thing that I've also, is that <clears throat> the expat community, um, the locals feel if you speak English, you have money. So if you want to have, okay, there's certain things like, you know, internet, cell phone contracts, those things that, that, that the prices are set and it's basic for everybody. And it is much cheaper than in most other countries. But when it comes to having your car fixed or alterations done to your house or those type of things, if you speak English, you charged more. Um, so sometimes when you as an expert feel that you're being ripped off, you know, you won't support that person again. And they need to think about if you give somebody a good price, you're going to have a regular income from that person, you know, just as you would have or want from your local f um, fellows. And I've had these experiences where I've asked for quotes myself and then I've asked a Turkish friend to ask me for a quote and then it, it is much cheaper and just because he spoke Turkish. So I feel that the locals should just not bite the hand that feeds them because a lot of their, their income at the moment, especially in restaurants and businesses and stuff, is from the expats because the local people is suffering and they can't do expansion to their houses or put new tiles in or um, have the house painted or fix their car properly and, and all of that things. And so that is one thing I would just say that is sometimes upsetting that, that we feel we get targeted because we have money or they think we have. You know, not everybody that comes from the UK or from South Africa or from, from Canada or from anywhere else in the world that speaks English um, is wealthy um, but that also could be because at the moment that uh, the TL is connected to the pound and then 
as soon as they see, you know, somebody is speak English and they, they bounce, oh, they must have loads of money because look how much TL is and whatever. So it's just a thing. And sometimes it's maybe misknowledge of what um, the economy and everything is, is actually all about. But it also does have an influence on them. You know, even if you look at the, the, the minimum wage, when I arrived in the island, minimum wage was 3,800 TL, and it's now 13,000. And that is due to the weakening of the TL, but also because they export or import most of their stuff, um, it pushes the prices up. Well, the things you've been talking about for the last few minutes are, if you would like, downer things that yeah. you're not so happy about. So let, let, let's turn 360 degrees now and look at some of the highlights. Yeah. Which, of course, was my original question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course. But um, I didn't see them actually as, 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 as negative. No. And, and 360, but it, it, it's just my opinion of what I've experienced. But sure, um, sure. still, there's so many other plus points, and, and you know, you're, the beauty of the place, the, the, the cost of living, even to the rest of the world, is still cheap, even though the, the, um, the TL has, has um, decreased so much in, in two and a half years. Um, and safety and friendliness and being um, a gay person living on a Muslim island. You know, I've never felt any discrimination against me or um, unsafe or that I have to be wary um, because I just don't think it's in them. They just love people for who they are and they treat us always with friendliness and, and welcome and then and and they make a point of remembering who you are and and what you are and and, and it's their hospitality is, is is absolutely great it makes it a great place to live in um and like i say to most people safety is is just not, nothing can beat safety most of your working life here in the trsc has been as a hairdresser so you've come into contact with so many people. Have you any idea how much they are going to miss you? Forget you missing them. Have you ever thought about that? The fact that you have created an incredible relationship with so many people over here, which I'm almost honoured to be part of. Do, do you realise what an impression you've created? Or is the fear of going back or the trepidation override all that? No, definitely does not override that. Um, I do realize what an impact I had in a lot of people's lives. And coming to this island not knowing anybody. Well, not um, knowing the island at all. You came here on spec, didn't you? I know, yeah. Never been there. It's just read about it and, and spotted it and then still moving here in COVID. Um, I'm leaving now as a richer person in, in the friendships and the, uh, that I've made and, and friends that feels like family and it feels like I've known them all my life. Um, and that's the same thing. It comes back to you. If you deal with people in respect and kindness, you will always 
have love and acceptance from people and you will always grow as a person and you will always gather memories and friends and, and people. What do you think you'll miss the most? There's so many things I would miss. Um, the smiles, you know, smiles, smiles. Smiles could be just the energy of an island. Smiles can be the people in the street, the, the, the friends and everything. Because I'm going back to a country that has a lot of aggression and anger on their faces and people don't look up and greet other people and you don't know who your neighbor is. And um, so it's a very lonely, isolated, angry place I'm going back to. And, and, and that's what I will miss from here is, is, is the friendliness, the smile on people's faces, the time people have for people still here. Um, seeing that somebody's new in the islands and everybody gets together to help and and yeah that's definitely what i will miss conrad prolius there you know sarah i knew how much he was going to miss the trnc for all the reasons that he so eloquently described there and i did think during that interview maybe he'd just lose it for a second and have to compose himself. But no, it was me that ended that chat with, I don't know what it was, something in my eye. And uh, it's so sad that he had to go effectively to to look after his parents. I think really between the lines is what he was, he, he was saying. But, uh, you know, he will be back. He touched everybody. Imagine he does that wherever he goes. But uh, yeah. it'll be really lovely if he can come back, say he's created lifelong friends here. And although... You can communicate, you know, like we are doing on Zoom or, or whatever. It's not the same as face-to-face. And, of course, we wish him the very best of luck over there in Cape Town, where, of course, it's summer, so uh, at yeah. least he's got decent weather there. Yes, I've certainly seen him on Facebook, and um, he looks like he's catching up with all his friends from there as well. So, uh, yes, he's one of those larger-than-life characters, isn't he? You know, he, he lights up a room when he comes in. Everybody's really pleased to see him, and, you know, he's just one of those people you want to be around because he's sort of, you know, infectious. <laughs> Certainly. And when um, he came to Mrs. B's 70th birthday party, which was we went down the car pass to a, to a lovely hotel there, 30 of us in all. We stayed a couple of nights and he sort of just took over as MC for the for the couple of days. And he was absolutely brilliant. I remember one morning we were going to do a, a choir practice after breakfast and he just announced over the microphone. He said, OK, all you oldies, go and get your tablets. I want you back in half an hour. <laughs> yeah that's not so good. most of us are oldest so uh, <laughs> no absolutely marvelous chap and uh, say we wish him the best of luck yes absolutely and hope to see him back in the uh back in the trnc well thank you very much indeed for listening to our podcast please do subscribe wherever you're listening on it um, and then you'll know when the next episode is out you can always get in touch with us as well we're on facebook and twitter just look for talking round north cyprus and if you want to drop us a message you can do uh, we've got an email as well trnc.podcast at gmail.com i'm sarah palmer and i'm roger barr yes thanks for listening let's talk again very very soon